0: I am currently reading through Sherry Waddell's book, Forming Intentional Disciples, which has been a must-read text about evangelization since it was first published in 2012. As you might imagine, this is not the first book I have read on evangelization, parish best practices, or this cultural moment in the Church. So I found Miss Waddell's book to be a bit slow at first, because it was rehashing a lot of things I had already read. But then I hit chapter 4 and became completely engrossed. Chapter 4 of Forming Intentional Disciples is called Grace and the Great Quest. In it, Sherry Waddell discusses the distinction between objective grace and subjective grace. Objective grace is the grace available to us through a sacrament automatically. Every sacrament properly performed brings objective grace. But subjective grace is the grace we actually receive from the sacrament. Essentially, the amount of objective grace that we allow to penetrate into our souls. The idea is that, for example, When we have not prayed in a while, when we are distracted, or when we have persisted in sin or refused forgiveness, God may be offering incredible graces, but we may have closed ourselves off to receiving them. As a seminarian and as a priest, I have observed a very strange phenomenon in certain segments of the church. There exist people who go to confession almost weekly, but never seem to improve in their fight against sin. And there exist people who receive the Eucharist almost daily, but who never seem to grow closer to Christ. This seems like it would be impossible. Confession wipes away sin and returns us to perfect communion with God. It also strengthens us to resist temptation in the future. If someone is going to confession every week, they have every grace that they could ever need in order to begin fighting against their recurrent sins. And we would expect the power of these recurrent sins to decrease over time. Similarly with communion, there is no greater grace than that which comes in receiving the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ into ourselves. So we would expect the daily reception of the Eucharist to make a person more and more like Jesus every day. The only way to explain this phenomenon of ineffective sacraments is to realize that God expects us to cooperate with his grace. If we go to confession, but we have no desire for conversion— We will not receive any of the grace that the Lord offers. If we receive the Eucharist but do not desire to grow closer to Jesus, the graces of the Eucharist will be ineffective. Even well meaning faithful Catholics can fall into the trap of believing that if we just go through the motions, the grace will operate on us automatically. But this is a lie. As the Catechism states, to attribute the efficacy of prayers or of sacramental signs to their mere external performance, apart from the interior dispositions that they demand, is to fall into superstition. Superstition is not a light word. The Catechism is telling us that to go through the motions without any desire to cooperate with the graces being offered, without any desire to grow or change, is to treat prayer like a magic spell and the Eucharist like a magic potion. So what does it look like to be open to receiving the grace of God? To be honest with you, I'm struggling with that question myself. After I read this chapter of Miss Waddell's book, I began to pray for openness to the grace of God present in the sacraments. For goodness sake, I receive the Eucharist ten times each week. That is ten times an infinite amount of grace every seven days. And yet I see very few fruits in my life that reveal a nearness to the Eucharist. When this book pointed out that we have a responsibility to cooperate with and open ourselves to the grace of God, I began to wonder if I had begun to take the sacraments, and especially the Eucharist, for granted, to treat them superstitiously. I am especially convicted by the example of Abram in our first reading. When Melchizedek comes out of nowhere with an offering of bread and wine, Abram gives him a tenth of everything. When is the last time you or I were at Mass, where a priest of God the Most High offers bread and wine, and we're so moved with thanksgiving that we decided to give to God a tenth of everything that we had? I can only conclude that Abram was so open to and thankful for the movements of God in his life that he was able to respond with this astonishing level of zeal and generosity. I know that this thankfulness and openness is possible in Christ. And I know that I want it desperately. So I began to pray about it. For two or three weeks now, I have been trying to remember to pray for an appreciation of God's grace in the sacraments before I actually receive the sacraments. And even in the course of two or three weeks, I have already seen this prayer work. When I have prayed it, I have felt a change, albeit a small one, in my nearness to God when I received the Eucharist at Mass. And the last time I went to confession, as I prayed that I could appreciate what I was receiving, I actually shed tears as I heard the words of absolution, something I had not done in a long time. I often preach about how much I hate complacency. If we think everything is fine and we do not seek to grow, we will atrophy and die. But I think I have allowed myself to grow complacent with the grace of God, and I have to imagine I'm not alone in this. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we have received greater gifts than mankind could ever have conceived, starting with our baptismal unity to the incarnate God who defeated sin and death. But the greatest gift of all is the Eucharist. Knowing that it is the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ should make us fearful even to approach it, let alone receive it. And yet, here we are, Sunday after Sunday, walking up the line mechanically, not really thinking about the infinite graces that are being made available to us. So please, please, let's try to stir up the grace of God in our hearts once again. Let's ask the Holy Spirit who dwells within us to reveal to us even a small portion of the great mystery of the Eucharist. Let's beg God that we might grow in appreciation for the mystery of the divine presence in what was once bread and wine. To that end, we'll finish with a small prayer that I found online. Jesus, my God and my all, my soul longs for you. My heart yearns to receive you in Holy Communion. Come, bread of heaven and food of angels, to nourish my soul and to rejoice my heart. Come, most lovable friend of my soul, to inflame me with such love that I may never again be separated from you. Amen.